Hello and welcome to Be Formed. My name is Father Tom Logan. I'm a priest of the Diocese of Joliet, and today we're going to be talking about the Trinity and the Eucharist. Now, as we dive in, you know, many of us can have a lot of ideas about like the the Trinity, like. Uh, you know, how do we make sense of God being three persons? And I know I used to be kind of confused about this. It's still a mystery, right? There's still so much more to, to draw, be drawn into, so much more to drink in of the truth of who God is as three persons and one God. But there's a, a very helpful analogy that I kind of just want to kick off with to help us consider who God is in and of himself as triune, which will help us have a more immense payoff as we consider the gift of God in the Eucharist. And so when we think about the Trinity, you know, um, we can think of material analogies, and I can tell you that those are all bad, okay? You might have heard of St. Patrick with the shamrock, right? The three three leaves. You're like, oh, three leaves, but it's one leaf. So it's kind of like, you know, three, God, three, uh, <laughs> three persons, one God, right? We want to get that right. No heresy here. But we know with material things, because God is not composed of parts, that that falls apart really quickly, and you end up committing some kind of heresy. You try and say that God is like water and it can have three different forms like ice, uh, liquid, or vapor. You're like, congrats, you're, um, uh, that's another formal heresy called Sabellianism. Like, hooray, heresy, right? Um, one of the good analogies that the church actually very highly esteems is one proposed, I believe, by St. Augustine. And the analogy goes like this, is considering, you know, God is spirit. We can actually understand since we are spirits as well. Um, we are embodied spirits as human beings, um, we're body and soul, we can use our understanding of our own spirit to kind of get a glimpse into who God is. So I want you to consider for a moment, okay, does God know everything? If we ask that question, does God know everything? You might think, yeah, yeah, Father Tom, I learned that, you know, years ago. God knows everything, right? Okay, well, we understand that knowing something means having a concept of something. It's like having an idea of the thing. Now, when we ask the question, does God know himself? Does God have a concept of himself? It ought to make us pause for a second, but, you know, whenever I ask parishioners, they're like, yeah, I guess he would, yeah. Okay, it makes us ask the question, can that concept that he has of himself be lacking in anything? The answer would be like, well, if it's going to be perfect, if God's going to know himself perfectly, if it's going to be complete then actually his idea of himself can't be lacking in anything. And in fact, his idea of himself has to also be God. Okay, he knows himself perfectly. There is nothing missing from his concept of himself. We actually understand that his concept of himself, his idea of himself in his self-knowledge, that is actually God. Now notice we're still talking about just one God, but like there's actually a relationship within God. That's very strange, right? Certainly, we're different as finite creatures. We're composed of parts, all these sorts of different things. And, um, you know, our essence is different from our existence if you want to get into technical philosophy words. But with the Lord, he knows himself perfectly. And in knowing himself perfectly, he generates or begets an image of himself. And we call that image, we call, in fact, that image, we call that image a person. And we call that God the Son, who took on human flesh and became one of us. And so we see already a relationship in God. But now, as these two persons love one another, and um, you know, you can always explore more. There's a lot of beautiful theological language. I'll try and keep it simple. As 
God, the Father and the Son love one another, and as their love meets, as their breath of love, right, their, their spiration, um, it's like a word meaning breath, as it comes together in love, right, what is the thing that they want to offer to one another in love, right? It's like, okay, you could offer, you know, this glass here, or you could offer some material object, like that would be a totally insufficient gift for the greatest thing, right? For the greatest object, the most worthy object of love. And so what is the only fitting gift that God can make to himself as a gift of love? Well, it would be himself, right? And if God then, this infinite, beautiful, and good God, makes a gift of himself that is perfect, that is complete, that is total, okay, kind of like with his knowledge of himself, could that gift of himself be lacking in anything? No. And so if it's perfect, if it's complete, this complete gift of self, this complete outpouring of self, could that gift be anything less than God himself? No. And so it actually brings us to the point like, whoa, we have a relationship, another relationship in this communion of persons who is one God, who's completely simple, who's without parts. But we can understand there's actually a kind of necessity that God would be three persons. And we didn't come up with the names for these persons, right? Like God, the son, the second person, that image, right? Who receives that love as well in whom all things exist, in whom you and I like live and move and have our being. He became one of us and took on our human flesh to himself, right? And with a human mouth, he spoke that we should call these persons father, son, and Holy Spirit. That this is the God that we believe in. Okay, so cover the trinity what that's been a few minutes here five minutes here so we're, we're going hopefully you're with me you can always rewatch that part if you need to or chat about it with your friends hopefully that'll help but we understand that god is a relationship of love right and their their intimacy is beautiful it's um it's perfect it's intense and that's ultimately the life that we we're made for and the life that we are modeled after right we're made in the image and likeness of god and god's intention from the beginning is that we would be in relationship with him but we know that in the course of history, um, that things didn't always work out that way in terms of original sin. When God made us in his image and likeness, things were broken. Originally, we're made for relationship with the Lord. And in fact, um, we're given this opportunity as material beings, we can offer things. We can offer things that... Um, that have like an expiration on them, right? So, you know, you, in the Old Testament, you see things where, where um, you know, the priests are able to offer animals that they would sacrifice to God. We're able to offer up material things. We're able to offer up suffering. We're able to offer up fasting, right? We're able to offer up sif- uh, sickness, pain, all these things. Like angels can't do that, okay? Um, in order to do that, you have to be a human being. You know, you have to be a rational creature who's material, okay? So we're given this very peculiar role, like, man's destiny in relationship with the Trinity made in his image and likeness is given dominion over all of the earth, over all the material things. And we alone, we're kind of like the, um, the touch point between the spiritual and the material. Like man is right here. And if anything on this side of the equation, the material equation and the spiritual is going to be offered up to the Lord, it has to go through us. Right. And we know made in the image and likeness of God and 
having this unique capacity to be a priest of some kind as a, as a human race that we're able to have some kind of a priesthood we're able meaning we're able to offer sacrifice puts us in a very peculiar place with God. And that's relevant to the Eucharist as we will see. But we know that with our being destined for relationship with God, that this relationship is broken and that happened through original sin through right here at the chain, right at the link in the chain where humanity as material and spiritual meet in us, in him, in Adam, in our first father, right? That through original sin, this was broken. This relationship is broken. Is it broken on God's side? Nope, absolutely not. He loves us. He is good to us. He is merciful to us. He's given us everything. The relationship is broken on the side of man. It's all good on the side of God, but it's broken on the side of man. And so how do we fix and repair this relationship, right? Like God gave instruction in the Old Testament for different sacrifices, um, sin offerings, etc. And you can read more into that. But that ultimately doesn't heal the relationship with the Lord. But the Lord had something more in mind in restoring that relationship. Enter the incarnation. Enter Christmas, right? Enter the Annunciation and then Christmas nine months later. We have Jesus. God the Son who took our human flesh to himself and enters into our broken experience like us in all things but sin. And now we think again, like we already heard how like God offers to himself the only fitting gift, which is God himself, right? In, in his love with himself, uh, who is the Holy Spirit, that third person of the Trinity. What is the best gift that we can offer, right? We're, we're left with like, okay, we'll offer this bull, we'll offer this calf, we'll offer these goats, um, all these Old Testament sacrifices. We all know that they're surpassed, even the Passover sacrifice is surpassed by this new Passover. That God the Son, who became one of us, is able to offer the only truly worthy gift to God. And again, he enters into this equation, right? We have the relationship with God. On God's side, it's not broken, but on our side, it is broken. And he comes down, becomes one of us. And as a man loving the Father with a human heart, loving him with human love, and as a man finally able to offer sacrifice, he offers the greatest gift that is possible, the gift of himself. And this is such a profound gift. Remember, the relationship's not broken on God's side, it's broken on our side. But this offering of love, of perfect obedience of God the Son in his passion is such a perfect and beautiful and amazing and transformative gift that it completely heals the breach in the relationship between God and man for all who will have recourse to Jesus Christ for all who will enter into his body, for all who will say yes to becoming one with him and through him having communion with the Father. As Jesus says, no one can come to the Father except through me. And he gives us the perfect offering, the perfect gift to present. And we know that that's manifested in the Paschal mystery, you know, the passion of Jesus, beginning with his his um, his Passover meal, right, that he shares with the disciples, where he institutes the Holy Eucharist. This is my body, which will be given up for you, right? And offering it to the Father and declaring his own body, declaring his own self a sacrifice for sins. This is the chalice of my blood, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And then he gives the command, do this in memory of me. And he offers it up. And then we see, of course, how that plays out. He already consecrated his body as a sacrifice 
right? A sacrifice for sins, and then we see that play out in his passion. But we need to pay, and pay attention to, right? Like, okay, he rose from the dead. This is like, um, and then ascends into heaven. This is the completion of it. But he leaves with us a mandate. Do this, do this in memory of me. Perpetuate this sacrifice. Now, it doesn't mean that Jesus goes on the cross again every time the mass is celebrated. We don't believe that. It's a once for all thing. But the same sacrifice, you know, in our relationship with the Lord that was broken, that's repaired by Jesus as he comes down to become one of us and heals this side of the relationship so that we can have and enjoy perfect communion with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Wow. Okay. He's giving us through the priesthood the gift of the Eucharist where we can take this same gift, the same offering, and Jesus the priest speaks these words and transforms it into himself and we're able to offer it back to the Father. And we're able to enter into and receive the grace and the merit of this perfect healing, restorative sacrifice of Jesus Christ that is so powerful, so super abundantly meritorious that it has repaired the relationship, the breach of relationship of sin against God. Big deal, right? It's amazing. Praise God for that. And you and I, when we go to mass, we get to be a part of this, right? This is incredible. We get to participate in this mystery by, as the gifts are brought up, right? Like we get to offer our own gifts, our own sacrifices of the week, our own prayer, our own sufferings. They get to become a part of what we offer to God with the one perfect sacrifice that God himself has provided in Jesus Christ. Amazing. So we've seen a little bit into the inner life of the Trinity and how God in becoming one of us and offering a sacrifice from our side of the equation and um, and the broken relationship with God actually begins to heal the rift and actually totally does for those who will accept faith in Jesus, heals the rift between God and man because of sin. So good, so good. We can look more deeply at what Benedict has been sharing with us in Sacramentum Caritatis, right? I love this. The sacrament of the altar, he says, is always at the heart of the church's life. We sometimes think that um, the Eucharist is just something we do when it's more almost like something we are. We often forget that our relationship to Jesus, as Benedict points out, is actually, as a church, is actually a spousal relationship. He highlights the equation, right? Like, and you can, uh, it goes so deep if you start exploring Jesus as the new Adam, right? We know that Eve was born from his side. He was put into a deep sleep. And then um, the Lord opened his side, took from his rib, and Eve was made out of his side, right? Born from his side. Um, Rib is actually, uh, has to do with more of the translation, but it's really just his side. And a lot of people don't know it, but Benedict points it out, like, that's actually a prophecy of Jesus. Because the church is born from his side, as he goes into the deep sleep of death upon the cross, as it becomes an offering to the Father. And the church, the bride of Christ, the bride of the new Adam, is born from his side. So all this is to say that everything that we are as a church comes from Jesus and is directed towards Jesus. Everything about us. Who we are, where we're from, what we're for, what we're about, what our destiny is, what our calling is, where our hope lies. Everything is about the Lord Jesus and it's about the spousal love that he offers us in the Eucharist. Right? It's where this, um, this Savior you know, loves us as both God and man and offers his complete gift 
to the father, you know, from our side of the equation, but also offers himself to us. And this is where we come into, okay, like, so father Tom, like, how am I supposed to enter into like this mystery? How am I supposed to receive this? Well, for one with Thanksgiving and joining in regularly, you know, the offering of the sacrifice to the Lord, you get to be a part of that when you come to mass, that is no small thing. But then to know that when we come before him in a state of grace to receive him in Holy communion, we get to receive his spousal gift of love for us. That he lays down his life for us. He, he offers his entire self to us as a gift. And what Benedict says so well, he says, Every great reform has in some way been linked to the rediscovery of belief in the Lord's Eucharistic presence among his people. The precipitation of renewal, the expectation of renewal in the church always comes from going back to our bridegroom in the Eucharist doesn't come from anywhere else it comes from him it comes from him the holy spirit guiding us to him everything that the spirit's doing guiding us to him guiding us to that spousal love that faithful love that never leaving kind of love we don't know who we are or what we're for what we're about why we exist we don't know anything as a church without jesus in the eucharist scripture can tell us things but this is what we're about we're about receiving this love as it actually is not just reading about it but about enjoying the actual gift receiving the gift being transformed by the gift and going forth with the gift and in communion with him with in love with him co-laboring with him to build his kingdom here on earth and so just in closing i want to share with you the lyrics to this beautiful song i've been listening to recently by a christian artist that i really love named jess ray and she has this song called no home and it's speaking to this reality and you know i don't know if she's catholic or not but a lot of her songs i feel like really kind of they draw so close to this mystery and i'm like man i'd love it if she could just like touch and understand this mystery of the eucharist but she's getting at this reality of not knowing what we are or what we're about as a church without our understanding and receiving of our everything from Jesus. And for us as Catholics, we understand that Jesus so desires as our bridegroom, the second person of the Trinity to be received as a gift in the Eucharist. This is one of his greatest desires for us on this earth as we co-labor with him for building his kingdom, as we say yes to his grace and his love to be changed, to be transformed so we can enter into eternal life as the life of the Trinity has been nurtured in us by constantly receiving his gift of spousal love in Holy Communion. And so I share with you these lyrics from the song um, in closing as a reflection to understand who the Lord is for us. She sings in this song to Jesus, I have no home but you, nothing that I own but you, nowhere that I'm from but you, nowhere that I'm headed to, I have no song but you, no place to belong but you. Jesus is our everything, and he's waiting for you in the tabernacle the next time you enter into the church. He is so excited to share with you his spousal love in Holy Communion, and he wants that to be received. Um, you know, I'm sure you're aware, you know, if you have an important man in your life, how important it is that... Um, you know, that when we make a gift of ourselves as men, that that gift is received. Jesus, as a man, so wants that gift to be received. And he wants our participation in his sacrifice, you know, in this presentation, again, in this renewed present presenting of the sacrifice that healed the rift between God and man. He wants you to be a part of that. And you can be a part of that 
by showing up, by praying and by participating in the sacrifice and offering your week, offering your life, offering your struggles, your sufferings, all that stuff. Jesus has a very, very deep and tremendous love for you. If you don't know that already. And again, you know, with the the whole spousal image, right? Like um, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two become one flesh. St. Paul writes profusely about this mystery and he says, and I mean this as a great mystery with respect to Christ and the church. As he was struck with this vision of the Lord Jesus, what he heard was, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, who are you, Lord, right? I don't know who you are. But he's talking about his church, his own body. And this is the intimacy that we have opened to us as Christians that he actually identifies so radically with us in his spousal love for us as a church that we are one with him. And so when it comes to offering this beautiful sacrifice of the Eucharist, of receiving the sacrament of the Eucharist, it's so, so, so important to know this is who we are. This is where we come from. And this is what we exist for. So let's say yes to the love of God in our lives and all the ways that he's asking for our love, all the ways he's asking that we would receive his love. And let's say yes to being his instruments in the world to bring about his kingdom and the renewal that he so longs for as our bridegroom, as God the Son, as the God who saves us.